0: Rogers, who the only place he's going to take it to is the toilet bowl. And then you got Brett Farr who will take you
1: to the one. Super Bowl. I do like me a triple butter burger cheese. The works, you know, ketchup, mustard, pickles. Could the package
0: be really good? Yeah, I, I certainly would love that. But also to say that, does this look like a rebuild? Probably. If you think we're in a rebuild, then you got the wrong team. QB1, man. Come on, man. Let's QB
1: in the lead right now. So up, Money? <laughs> What's up guys, this is Jeff Janis.
0: And Janice is on stop it! Oh, please! What a cat!
1: It's insane! You're listening to the Poor Man's Packers Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Poor Man's Packers Podcast, the Poor Packers Podcast in the state of our minds. I am Spencer joined this week with Billy and Todd Boys. Hello, hello. Greetings, gentlemen. And sadness is back on the plate. Packers losing 22-24 in New York to the New York Giants, the Tommy DeVito <laughs> New York Giants. Very sad game. Uh, God, you, you knew we were going to have another stinker this season. I just didn't expect to come against the Giants. But this episode, we'll talk about the offense, the defense. Jordan Love not looking great. Joe Berry obviously being fucking hashtag fire Joe Barry is back. Take news, we'll talk about Jair Alexander and all that that's going on. And I, th- I think we're going to do a good job covering the full thing here. I know it's kind of a touchy subject on Packers Twitter, but I don't know. I think, it's, once again, nuance is needed. Like, you know, it seems to be missing a lot of things in today's world. We'll have this kind of idiot, some Packers trivia, and then, of course, preview the Bucks game. But first, woof, the Packers losing 22-24 to to the Giants on that last second field goal. A lot of bad. It was... Now, this is going to sound bad, but I I think looking back, it's going to be kind of a fun (laughs) time capsule game. You know, 10 years from now, when we go back to the highlights and we see those shots of fucking Tommy DeVito's family and that agent, we're going to be like, oh, yeah, what a weird moment in time that this actually happened in the NFL. The
0: the agent's outfit was absurd. I mean has to be a
2: joke right i mean there's no oh, he,
0: way that that guy dresses like that in real life not
2: even in new york he he 100 was le- was leaning into it i mean it's hilarious I you, mean, it you was great. knew you knew that you know monday night football the giants first you know nationally That's televised true. game with with tommy devito and of yeah. course all the the giants fans just love him like you know still living at home with his parents and yep. you know she's making <laughs> yeah. lasagna for him and whatever other stuff like you knew that they were going to be shown more than taylor swift is on any chiefs game
0: that's true if this was a noon game no love right like he's Great. not showing up in the the gangster outfit with the whatever kind of hat the what was a fedora
1: i don't even know what that is it's whatever, whatever Like was fedora's is black i don't want to call it a fedora
0: yeah, I know. I'm like, does it have a different name when it's a gangster wearing it? Or is it still a fedora? I don't know. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, And then the running with him, too. You know, I thought Daniel Jones wasn't playing. But, God, that was probably the more embarrassing part. Just a lot of bad takeaways from this. Uh, Jordan Love, obviously, the first half, very shaky. I still feel good about him. But, God, I, I feel like the wind was kind of part of that, too. The Jaden Reed gadget plays. That, I was almost more concerned with that because it's like, what the fuck are we doing? I was looking back at my game notes I was taking going through the game when you take game notes. And especially the second half, there was just – I wrote bad gadget play, bad gadget play, bad gadget yeah. play. Like one of them pushed us out of field goal range for the long Andres, one that he missed, yep. or, you know, well, what ended up being out of field goal range. Obviously, the two-point conversion, ugh, just not not what you needed that moment. I. I it's like, and it just brings you back to what we've talked about a couple of times this year, that fucking Lazard sweep against the Lions. And I understand the run game. You know, we didn't have a bunch going on. People were banged up. But I don't know if that was the fix. I think most people would agree it, it was not the fix.
0: I think we literally saw every version of an end around slash <laughs> yeah. jet motion, sweep, whatever you want to call them, where you take a wide receiver and you run them outside. We saw every version you could possibly do on monday i mean it was I, I don't know i mean
1: at some point you gotta just put it to bed it worked great at the start you know he jaden Reed, walked in for that touchdown he had another really nice yep. one too for like 20 yards uh yes in either it the works quarter, sometimes third the third. yeah right you, sometimes you run it
2: you run it two to three times a game maybe yeah it's like a change but, of pace play for big chunk
1: yardage right
2: but if you run it twice in a row and it gets stuffed both times throw yeah. it in the trash don't Don't bring it out again that game.
1: But then it goes back to LaFleur and this whole scheme of his where it's the, uh, God, I forget the, the whole verbiage of it, but you know, doing, doing certain things, but then doing certain things out of that look. And it's like, well, just keep doing that. Or even on the fucking two point play, I'd be fine if you faked it and just ran it up the middle with AJ Dillon. You know, they've been so concerned with the edges all game. It's like, just hit them back with that right up the middle. I don't, I don't know. Um, and then Joe Barry and the defense. I mean, fuck. The, well, to start things off, we'll, we'll obviously dive deeper later. But the prevent at the end of the game, I don't know if there's been a sadder... Uh, the Cardinals in the playoffs in 2015 was mm, the saddest yeah. loss. But that one... Oh, my God. Just... I could have completed those passes as a UWS, you know, flake football two-time champion. I'm an absolute Ooh, athlete. Okay. Wow. I could have hit. I could have hit those passes, especially the first two that were like borderline checkdowns. And then Sean Nixon late. It's just like it. It's honestly like Joe Barry was playing defense, thinking that all he had to do was stop a touchdown when it was or or that the that
2: the Giants had no timeouts. It's like they've got two timeouts left, dude. Yes. Like they can they are more than content to dink and dunk and not have to go out of bounds and then we let them get out of bounds anyway
0: what was so weird to me too is like okay no timeouts at the end and we're running man i didn't understand mm-hmm. like run your zone to keep them in front of you and keep them inside you know keep them in bounds right like i just didn't i don't i don't know like i it doesn't make any sense to me though
1: it was the worst of both worlds because, yeah, you're right. It's like, you know, usually we're asking for man, especially when Jair's right. playing or, or whatever. Well, I guess Razul was more of a man guy. But it's like, why would you play man and backup? You know, at least in zone, it's like you know what you're doing this way. It's like you're allowing short passes. They're getting yards after catch, and then they're getting out of bounds too. It's just I, – I don't know. It'll be interesting to hear Barry's presser this week. Not like he's the worst. He – in the time of, like, watching these pressers. Maybe Sean Meninga was worse, but Joe Barry is just the most... He, he goes on and on about nothing in his answers. He's, like, just not on dad.
0: topic, but he still somehow answers the question. You're like, I guess. Okay, but move
2: on. By no, design. He just, he just talks long enough that the media goes, wait, what What did we
1: ask him? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, whatever. We'll move on. Yes, exactly. And we will, too. Uh, well, unless you want to... Do we want to talk about the refs much, or we can just do that when we... Yeah, just fucking god it's so bad i saw there was that report today or whatever that the Goodell and officiating met to uh god i forgot what the terminology was but to uh fix some things or correct some things and it's like you guys have been doing this for a hundred years and you're still trying to work out the kinks like what are we what yeah are we i think fucking doing i there? think
2: the official statement was something like still a work in progress it's like yeah that is what, what he are said. you
1: talking about
2: We've, we've known the officiating has been questionable at best for years, and it's still a work in progress? Like, have you even tried to improve anything?
1: Yeah, and that's what tough. what's tough. It's one of the things, too, where I think is like, there's almost, I almost think they don't want to improve it because it's another thing that gets us to talk about the game, and clicks are clicks. Yeah, that's what it was. It, it was work in progress was the terminology. It's mm-hmm. like, you've had 100 years. How is this still a work in progress? Um, but yeah. Other than that, jumping into the game, Jordan Love, not well, let's start with this. Bad stat on offense. So in the red zone, Packers were 2 of 5, 40%. 40% in the NFL would be just better than the New York Jets, at who were the worst, at 34%. 40% would be the second Ooh. worst in the league, if you okay. put that out over the floor. Not the worst. But pretty bad. Jordan Love, he was pretty bad in the first half of this game. I think the second half he got a little better, but, God, he mm-hmm. had that run on third down where he should have just followed Tucker and gone outside. He probably would have had the first. Yep. he cuts in and fumbles the terrible INT. I don't know if it was worse than the one against the Raiders where he just didn't see the linebacker and threw it right to him, but this I was pretty, brutal. I
0: couldn't tell. Do you think his arm was maybe hit on that or if he was like knocked off balance at all? Because the ball came out wobbly and there was a dude right there, but the camera angle you couldn't tell if he maybe got a piece of it. And even on the replay, I couldn't tell. I didn't. What did you guys think?
1: It sure looked that way. I don't know. I think he said in yesterday's presser or today's presser that it that he did have a guy in his face and that could have was probably the reason why it was a little short, but okay. I mean, it was a pretty, it was a bad decision and a bad ball. Usually he has True, decent decision decisions, but it was bad. Both. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I mean, it, it looked like he wasn't able to follow through through, which would definitely take something off the ball, but something that was mentioned maybe two or three times during the game, just in passing by Bucker Aikman was, the wind and how windy it was i know they mentioned it on a punt and maybe they mentioned it on another one of his his longer throws and at one point i thought like they were setting it up to go down to whatever the sideline reporter is to you know give some insight as to is it actually windy or not and then it was just like radio silence and they never talked about it again so also did anybody I mean, side note to this did anybody? Uh-oh. the broadcast was sloppy
1: yeah, I've heard a couple yeah. people say, especially, I kind of liked it. weird at, how sloppy the, it was. At I the mean, end just, of the just first Just what half. I'm
2: talking about, giving, yeah. giving her a layup, like, here, jump in and say something and contribute. And it's just like, nah. Troy calling people the wrong name all night.
0: I that was- I can't remember how many, I it had to have been like four or five different people he called the wrong name. And then, like, um, Joe was just like, it was like he was having to just like fill this dead space at the time. I don't it was really weird. well, there was the, the wrong over sh- or what?
1: There was the weird shit where he's like, oh, we gotta text Tom Brady and see if he's watching. It's like, right no,, yeah. no like you some- don't. And then they were complaining about the refs Troy Aikman was, which I liked, but it was like, I'm surprised he's doing this. And then they they even said Kenny and Drake was checking into the game, and I looked and I'm like, Kenny and Drake's number thirty two because he took Robinson's number. I was gonna say old number, but I think he just say number. He played one game for us. Right, yeah, two games for us. He suited up. But it wasn't. It was Patrick Taylor. Kenny and Drake didn't have a single yeah. snap in the game.
0: It was just... It was sloppy. I don't know what was going on. But anyways, my my original point, my comment to you was, they were talking about how windy it was, and then I remember looking at the goalposts, and the none of them were moving. And I was like, this <laughs> right. is weird. Like, the goalpost flags aren't moving, but they're saying it's windy. But then I did watch a little bit of the All-22, and it. I don't know how MetLife is situated, or what the... I don't know how the wind is in there, but like the middle of the field on the all 22, you could see the ball moving a little bit, but when oh, yeah. you got towards the end zones, it wasn't. So maybe that's a thing in MetLife. I have no idea.
1: It's probably why it was tricky. I know Rob Domofsky, who was in New York said that it was windy going into the, the game too, which had me, you know, I had my little pro- player prop bets going into it. And I'm like, fuck, maybe I should take some unders, but it, it did seem. I don't know how much it affected it, but it obviously seemed to affect it somewhat. Um, we also had the bad decision from. This, I feel like this is something that you took for, for granted from Aaron Rodgers, but the the broken screenplay that he still threw to Dylan to lose ten yards. It's like you gotta you gotta throw that at his feet, butter, yep. and AJ Dylan maybe just don't catch it. I don't know if you really blame him for that. Uh, he also had the other near pick going right from from right to left. I think in like the third quarter that was very close. You saw like two Giants guys just put their yep. hands on their head and everything. He took the bad sack for a tougher field goal that we did also make. Um, But then, once again, you know, all the comparisons to Aaron Rodgers, and multiple people have said this, but to, once again, I mean, played pretty solid in the second half, especially, you know, for the majority of the fourth quarter, getting the go-ahead touchdown, and then the defense letting him down just like Aaron Rodgers' defense back in 2008. So, I don't know. I'm still, overall, I mean... You know, you don't want to say you're optimistic coming out of the game from Jordan Love, but for a bad game, I'll take that because again, a lot of it was—I mean, there was a lot of off, off off-thrown balls, but nothing. Again, back to the decision making was still more often than not positive. I mean, mean,
2: every everybody seemed sloppy in the game. I I was going to agree. Boneheaded decisions, penalties—you know. Uh, poor execution whether on offense or defense you know we saw it with Love he was he was off on several of his first handful of throws you know there was the the quick one out to Dobbs that just like threw it low and away from him the the one to Dylan that he threw off his hands there were a couple others on the first two drives I think and it was like oh boy this might be a long night from Jordan Love and then like you said I mean Progress in the second half. It, it looked better. It looked a little bit more crisp. Um, still not to the level that he's been the last few games, but really that's what you want to see out of your young quarterback is a little bit of resiliency to come back and um, put together some positive throws.
0: This The end of this game, too, was it's a classic Madden moment where you <laughs> score against your buddy and there's a minute 33 left and you're like, it's too much time. That's God. too much time. We're just I'm going to get scored on, right? Like that's way or when you get the ball back and you're like, "I got a minute 33 to go on the field in Madden, I'm going to do it." And yeah, in Madden, you get to go up against Joe Barry's defense. So, that's what happens. If we got to go up against Joe Barry's defense with a minute 33
2: left, we would have won that game. What did you guys yeah. think about the clock management on our last drive on offense?
1: Oh, I mean, I don't even know how much we want to talk about it, but yeah, it was bad. I mean, it was just bad. It's and one, it was they were throwing, and two, they were in like a hurry up. They had more than enough time, and the Giants had multiple timeouts. Yep. Like once once we got close to the red zone there, we should have slowed shit down and just ran the ball because we had enough success. I mean, I know I once or twice in the game, it might have even been that first that last series or second last series, we gave it to A.J. Dillon three straight runs and he picked up a first down. So I don't know, it's just once again, it's just the managing thing from Matt LaFleur. What well, we should have
0: done is given the ball to Patrick Taylor because we know he won't run out of bounds. Yes. And then <laughs> yes. he'll get exactly. chunk yardage
1: and he won't run out of bounds. Perfect. Yeah, I, I agree completely. Um, pass catchers, Romeo Dobbs. I I know multiple people said this, but Romeo double catch Dobbs at this point. <laughs> uh, four, four for 32 on seven targets. Again, he seemed to be one of the main... Uh, not a benefactor but of the off throw um the off off target jordan love throws um i love him and i've said it a few times this year but god he really does just disappear at times um and yeah i don't know he was really close on a couple of balls you wish he could have Barely, you know, I'm watching on my couch and everything, but it's like, come on, come on, Romeo, sacrifice your body a little bit more and just toe tap on the sideline there. I obviously would be able to. Jaden Reed, we talked about it a bit already, but <laughs> eight receptions for 27 yards. I don't know if we'll ever see something like that again. Four That's rushes the for the quietest
2: eight receptions I've ever <laughs> seen in my life.
1: Right. right? Well, it's because you know half of them are the little fucking pop passes or whatever. um you know the jet sweep stuff the touchdown was beautiful um completely untouched um and then the second series back-to-back plays the packers ran routes short of the sticks one it was jaden reed and then it was wicks and i know i get on jason frable and obviously it's young guys too but it's like back-to-back plays routes short of the sticks and i don't think wicks got a first down talking about the refs again that was, we benefited from that, but I there was no way in hell he got that pile on that ball over the first down marker. No, he definitely bounds. did not.
2: Even if he did, there was no way for you to tell for sure. Like there is yeah. no chance you could overturn that. You should, at best it stands. I yes. think you can sync up the two angles, and I think it would be very obvious that he
0: did not get it. If you sync up the timing mm-hmm. on the two different angles, the one looking down the sidelines, and then the one looking perpendicular to the sideline. Yeah. I mean, they obviously didn't do that. And
1: there's I, I there's saw no way to do it apparently in the NFL because they, yeah. they don't have enough money to figure yeah, it, well, right. that, it out. Figure that, that was out. the
2: thing. ESPN was able to do it, you know, after a minute in oh, yeah. the review We're or like whatever. It's seconds. like can they not do this in New York? I mean, they always say that New York doesn't have the same views as, you know, ESPN or whatever. It's like number one, why How? not?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then That's Wix. Weird.
1: Wicks uh two receptions, twenty yards. He he saved Jordan's ass on the one ball thrown behind him, or Wicks just fucking jumps up and get I love Beautiful. watching Wicks is a lot of fun. Injuries, so Wicks, I'm sure you guys saw this after the game, I think he said something along the lines of his his ankles fucked up. It sounds like a high ankle sprain, so that's not good. That's usually long term. We'll yeah. we'll see what happens here. And then Jaden Reed had a and God, this happens with the Packers. He had a concussion but Matt was sounding positive today, or someone talked to Jaden Reed, and Jaden Reed was very optimistic and said he didn't have a concussion. So well, he, he wasn't
0: on the injury report for a concussion, so that obviously means he's out of the protocol.
1: That's why they were talking about it. So it's again, it's like how, and I, I don't know how many snaps he missed at the end there, but it's like how do you not figure out if he has a concussion or not and get him back in the game? I don't, I don't fucking know. Um, Samari Ture two catches, twenty two yards kind of forgot he existed, you know, his first receptions in a month or two. Uh, Malik Heath, fuck, I love Malik Heath. I mean, he had the drop, once again, back to coaching, and it's... You got to catch that. You got to catch that, and you got to bring it into your body. I know it's stupid, but I like it. We've seen it multiple times this year. And it it was a very weird play, too, because watching it live, I was like, no, that's not a catch. And then you watch the replay, and I'm like, that's a catch. And it's, once again, the weird thing in the NFL where if he were on the sideline and caught that and got 2 feet in and like went out and then it came out or whatever. It it would be a touchdown, but because it's weird It
0: kind of looked to me he bobbled it a little bit when that right hand comes in and then yeah. the left hand comes over the top
1: and knocks it out. So I don't it was Maybe. tough. Yeah. It, it but it, then it was nice that it was like the next play. It was the next
0: play. They yeah. went back
1: to him and I still don't know if that even went across the goal line and then that fucking ref it milk did. and it falls over. Can't, can't give us a signal from the get ground, I guess. And then he pops up, like dust himself off and then... Does Dramatic. It, like, Dude, it's fucking not about you, which again, <laughs> something else here. I'm just fucking rambling. Two plays in a row, you had pretty good looking pass plays and then on yeah. the two point conversion, you're like, ah, we got to do this stupid fucking gadget play again. I don't know. Not for I- me, but I'm not yeah. going
2: to criticize the ref on that one. Like he got he got his knees taken out from underneath him, like, and he's got dudes laying around him or on top of him or whatever. Like I'm going to give him a chance to get up at least, and maybe maybe that's the protocol. Like you need to be on your feet to call touchdown or something. I don't know. I was wondering that as I was saying that. I'm like maybe there is. I- have you ever Seinoto, seen a ref do a call from the ground? Side
0: note, though, it would be way cooler yes. if he was laying on the ground <laughs> yeah. and he did the dramatic, like, stand straight up in the air, touchdown. Like, that's way cooler than, like, dusting yourself off,
2: standing up and doing a lame... I don't know. I mean shit, let if the officiating's going to be bad, let's make them entertaining. Like lay yeah. on the ground and signal touchdown a behind the back flag or <laughs> under the leg or something. No-look flag throw, whatever. I don't care. Put a
0: local high school kid as one of the line judges, right? So he can just he can sprint down the edge with those guys,
1: right? That's well, what we need. Something that in I had to get into refing more, but something that um I forgot who's brought this up, but it's like with these refs in the league why don't we get some former players who need jobs and coach them up and give them a full-time job? Now, I don't know if Bias is getting Because the NFL involved. doesn't yeah, want to pay Gordon. for the refs to be full-time. <laughs> John, <yeah. laughs> yes, bo- both both points there were, were incredible. Um, sticking with pass catchers, but moving to the big boys. Again, I I fucking love Tucker Craft. I lo- what uh, what were his stats in this game? Todd, do you have that pulled up? I didn't write them down.
0: Yeah, he it. had uh four targets, four receptions for 64 yards and a 43-yard yeah, one.
1: Yeah, that was just fucking awesome. And again, twice again he takes those little catches on the sideline and just bullies the corner closest to him he's getting much better uh pass blocking too i think paul brittle wrote this but in the last three weeks he ranks 11th in pro football focus for run blocking i assume this is for tight ends and eighth in average yards after catch uh he was also the second highest graded player for the packers according to pff and pretty much every game this year pff has given him negative grades and now that he's been playing this last three weeks he's Clearly improving but I fucking love him There was also going into the week hit Some quote he had where he just loves Violence at the line of scrimmage he, or whatever yes. He is such a meathead You know we talked about uh, Tommy DeVito's agent being A being a caricature of like a Mobster guy Tucker Craft is just a caricature of a meathead You know Gronk almost You know like he, he The mentality it seems like and the way he talks Is very similar to Gronk I, I just fucking love him I I got to say, I love his
0: run after the catch. If you remember, like, was it the Chargers game or was it the Lions? It was a the Char- Lions game. The, no, the Chargers game where he almost, where he And they called it back because he stepped yep. out of bounds. Yep. I mean, that was like Jermichael Finley-esque. Maybe yes. not I, like Jermichael I, Finley was a little speedier, but like that was yes. fun to watch. And then like, again, too, you watch him on that 43 yarder he had and he, the way like the safety's coming in from his right side and he like lifts the right leg. To kind of like almost hurdle him, it doesn't quite work, but like literally inches. If he gets that right leg a little bit higher, he kind of like half hurdles that guy, and he's rumbling. Like he's fun to watch.
1: I was uh, the other thing with him too that I was a little worried about because obviously the the transition from South Dakota State to the NFL is like, are is he still going to be able to bully guys in the NFL instead of like future plumbers? And now it's like, yes, yes, he is still able to do it. So I'm very happy about that. Um, moving on to, well, I guess I can mention it here too. Henry Pearson, sadly, did not suit up for this game. Josiah DeGuara did, and that's just a crock of shit. Running backs, A.G. Dillon, Patrick Taylor, and Kenyon Drake. Dillon, I mean, God, I don't know. He, he's a good backup running back, but he's had to be the premier guy this year, and it's just not him. 3.5-yard average. Um and again, he's great out of the backfield. Again, probably the best play of his career was that catch and run. One, the fact that he caught that ball completely out catch. Yeah. Another not great ball from Rogers. But then the yards after catch. I think you ran a dude over two and kept going. Yep. Awesome. Great play. Keep doing that. Pass blocking was great too. I'm sure people have pointed out the one play where Jordan Love calls up the protection and A.J. Dillon comes across and blocks the corner or outside linebacker blitzing. I, I forgot exactly what it was, so I enjoyed that. Patrick Taylor, second week in a row. Once again, talking about the coaching staff and not grilling things in the guy's brains. And I think Ben Simmons, the running back's coach, is probably one of the better position coaches we have. But two weeks in a row, and it was egregious. Patrick Taylor not running out of bounds in the two-minute warning. And even Aaron Jones earlier this year, too, had that one where he should have at least attempted to go out of bounds. Looking at it back, I'm not sure if he would have been able to make it. But I don't know how in the fuck you do that two weeks in a row. And I love Patrick Taylor. I think he should get more carries. He's got 20 carries on the season, and he has a 5.1 average. I know that's not a ton to work off of. But every time he gets the ball, it is that little bit of juice. He's not Aaron Jones. but He hits the hole quicker. Yes, he hits the hole quicker, and it's just, I'm fine with Dylan getting his, but it's let's make it a two-thirds, one-third for running the ball, too. And I, I just, I, I don't quite get it.
2: I mean, Taylor's just a good change of pace back from Dylan anyway. Yeah. Like, that's one of mm-hmm. the reasons why Dylan is effective when Jones is the starter, because he's a completely different type of runner. So I don't understand, to your point, why we wouldn't use Patrick Taylor in some sort of a little bit more of an even timeshare. I'm not saying 50-50, but, you know, change a pace, you know, get him in there. He's shown that he's effective, but you also mentioned, you know, not going out of bounds, game awareness. I don't know if that plays into it. I mean, we saw LaFleur like screaming at him Mm -hmm. on the sideline at the Kansas City game. Like you would have thought that in essentially the same situation on Monday night, he would have had that little voice in his head saying, "Nope, get out of get out of bounds, get out of bounds. I got to get out of bounds." Instead, he cuts it back and does. He doesn't even get any extra yardage. I if know. he picks up ten extra yards, it's like, okay, maybe that's a fair trade. But
1: it was oh, weird. It's it's, it's it's like he caught himself too because he went back and then he went back from the back, and it's like right. it's it's too late. It's just so I don't know. I. Maybe Rob Domofsky was surprised that Jones didn't play. Obviously, Tom Pelissero tweeted out Monday morning that uh, Jones wasn't expected to play. But it's sounding like he should play this week, which would be a pretty big boost in a lackluster year for Aaron Jones. Probably his worst year as a Packer just because it's like the injury thing we were always worried about when he first, you know, became Aaron Jones is kindly or kindly, finally catching up to him. (laughs) Um, The offensive line. Rashid Walker, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, Tom, oh, John Runyon, and Zach Tom. Sean Ryan had 12 snaps. Yash had 17. I don't know. Not a ton to talk about here because I'm just a schmuck, but obviously not the best game from the group. They only allowed the two sacks, but Jordan Love was squeamish all night, and obviously the run game could have been a little bit better. Elton seemed to struggle more than he usually does, and Zach Tom too with that uh, Thibodeau guy. He had a halfway decent night. Um, I don't know if you guys have a ton of thoughts there. I, I'd i still like to see Sean Ryan, but we're so late in the season, it's hard to expect them to make that switch now.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see Sean Ryan in, like, for sure running situations. We've seen a couple times, too. It doesn't seem like pass blocking's his thing, and this is really a pass blocking offensive line. But, yeah, I think, like, even a couple times when they just rush four they were super successful on a couple different downs, mm-hmm. and like that was not great to see. Um, <clears throat> it just seemed like it was an off night for everybody, and the line was not excluded from that,
2: yeah, I mean, not a good night for the offensive line, and I think the most frustrating thing was you're going up against the New York defense that's coordinated by Wink martindale, and if anybody you know follows the n f l and knows anything about defensive coordinators and tendencies. It's that Joe Barry is trash, and it's that Wink Martindale is going to blitz the hell out of you. And, I mean, he didn't even have to do that. Like you mm-hmm. said, Todd, he sent four. But, God, when he sent extra rushers, like, Love didn't have a chance. And I, I thought Love did a pretty good job of staying alive and making some throws, but that certainly didn't help on a night that he didn't have uh, his best accuracy, even when he had a clean pocket.
1: Right, and it was like you mentioned there too. Late that Malik Heath not touchdown was a good example of moving around in the pocket, keeping the play alive, and then still giving your guy a chance.
2: Or, or the one to Toure, and they kind of talked about it on the broadcast too. Like there was that last rusher that he kind of had to evade at the last minute, made him hold on to it an extra half a second. I mean, otherwise, that might be a touchdown.
0: Side note: yeah. If that's not Toure, I think that's a touchdown on both of those Toure balls in the end zone
1: i f- I feel bad, but it's I like i think i think uh, most I, I,
0: other receivers on our team would have caught those.
1: I don't
2: know if there's any chance he gets his second foot down,
0: yeah, i oh, mean he's it- i don't know. I watched that replay, I think you could have
2: I, yeah, I and the other be,
0: one it was like just don't stand behind the corner and you catch it
1: it uh it will be interesting this week with these injuries obviously Luke Musgrave I mean he's a tight end he's still on the injury reserve I think at least two more games for him um and then whatever happens with Jaden Reed and Wicks but the guys on the practice squad Bo Milton and Grant DeBose I wonder if one of those two will be a game day call-up which would be interesting especially let's, Grant DeBose who I was gonna say let's a get lot of people out here yeah have have forgot about so I don't know it's uh we'll have to see um Anything else on offense? I think we did a pretty good job covering shit. Yeah. All right. Very cool. With that, we will have a quick commercial break. And we are back with the defense. The defense was fucking bad. Here are... Here's bad stat. I've got a couple of them. One, the Giants were... Three out of four in the red zone, that is 75%. That would be the best in the NFL. They also averaged 6.1 yards a carry, pretty fucking bad. This was the fourth game this year. The Packers have allowed over 200 yards rushing. No other team has uh, more than two. I believe when the third 200-yard game happened, there had only been 10 in the NFL uh, so far this year. So it just lets you know how bad the run defense was. Uh, going up against the Giants, who have alo- they allowed... F- Uh, What was it? Five sacks in their previous three games, I think, per game. The only, we had two QB hits, no sacks. Pretty, pretty, yes, pathetic is the right word. And Tommy DeVito was the NFC player of the week. Props to
0: Tommy, though. He is fast. Like, that dude's actually pretty quick. And for the amount of times we should have had sacks, like on slower quarterbacks, we would have sacked him a fair amount just not just defending my bold prediction of seven sacks but we would have had (laughs) a lot of sacks against
2: a slower quarterback a less mobile quarterback but he's actually he's a pretty good athlete i I, i'm honestly not sure if we would have had more sacks against say a kurt cousins because we had such awful lane discipline when we were rushing like how many times did everybody just run past him and he's just like Oh well, I have a wide open middle of the field, so here I go. And you know, we're just we're nowhere to be seen. And at the same time, it's like you you get burned by him enough. Like, why do you not spy somebody? Why mm-hmm. do you not harp? You know, lane discipline when you're rushing. Why not send a few extra rushers to try and get a free man and get him to the ground? Like, did we send a blitz that entire game? It I sure honestly don't seem think like we it.
1: did. Yeah, it was it was fucking Which, brutal
2: doesn't make sense to me because i said last week i thought this would be a game where you know joe barry makes tommy devito look like a rookie quarterback who's never played and we made him look like fucking brock it, purdy out there it's
1: well that's a weird thing to hear <laughs> we made him look Stunned. like brock purdy yeah uh, but it's weird too because you know what we always said about mike petten and dumb keepers late is like you know they do good against the shitty quarterbacks but then they get absolutely killed by the good ones, and this year it's been the opposite. You know, we were able to do enough against Herbert. We did enough against Patrick Mahomes, and then we've had guys like fucking Kenny Pickett. I Brett R- not Brett Rippin. Uh, fucking the God, what's his name? The Falcons Ritter, quarterback Desmond Ritter. Yeah, all these guys, all the shitty guys, are able to do enough at least on offense. Or you focus so much on stopping the run, you're not able to. Actually, stopped the offense in general. So I don't know, it's fucking clusterfuck. The front seven, again, probably the most embarrassing group of the night and most embarrassing play from that group in quite a while. Rashawn Gary, not a good game. I mean, God, he, he, I kept waiting in the second half for him to have a big sack, and he just wasn't sniffing it. LVN got bullied multiple times in the run game. I mean, the goal line touchdown too. Just fucking, he just, it was like pancaked. And I think Devondre Campbell was part of it too. JJ Inigbari, again, he had a a run defense grade of 38.5. That was the lowest of the guys in the front seven. I don't know much about grading, but that's pretty bad. DJ Slayton was all right. You know, second highest graded player on defense. And he had a couple good run stops. Also that one play where he just appeared in the backfield on the snap, but wasn't able to bring the guy down. Devonta Wyatt, he's like the Kirk Cousins of, of like the defensive line because his stats are always good. Like his pressure rate, his win rate is high, but he doesn't really. He only has a couple of sacks this year, and there hasn't been a time where you're like, ah, Devonta Wyatt. You know that doesn't happen as much as I keep seeing him pop up for playing well. Um, and then something else I want to add about him: he's also I know I just said Kirk Cousins. He's the new Darius Smith when it comes to this injury thing, where it's now two weeks in a row last week he got carted off he came back into the game this week he gets hurt again and comes back into the game it's like it's i understand getting hurt but you know i'm, I'm a huge i'm such a tough guy if you guys could see me i'm mm. very oh yeah ma- we can attest <laughs> very masculine like when i played hockey it's like when you get hurt you get off the ice the only time i didn't get off the ice is when i got elbowed in the head against the boards and i had a concussion and i woke up on the ice you know it's like just get off the field if you can. I know it's hurt. I know I'm just a small little guy here, but it's like when you come back into the game, like Zedarius always did, getting hurt, and even the Browns this past week, I got a glimpse of that game, and Z got hurt. <laughs> I came back into the game, I believe, but it's like just get off the field and get back. I I, I know, I know this. The is coaches will
0: tell off. you. The coaches will always tell you to sit down on the field because it gives them time to find your replacement. It, so they oh, will yeah. always exactly. tell you to okay. get down on the field. O- outside if you two watch, minutes,
2: yep, it's, if a, you... it's an official's timeout okay. for okay. an injury.
0: Yep. I guess so, with the and, big boys, it makes sense too. Yep. And so like especially with the big boys, there's there's fewer of them to plug and play. And like if you watch two around the league when somebody gets hurt, <laughs> if you look to the sidelines right away, you will see the coaches doing okay. the like, get down – because they want you down on the field. Okay, so two minutes, it's a different story. So last week with the cart.
2: Did they need extra time?
0: Okay, the cart is a different thing. <laughs> yeah. You have a valid point on the cart. <laughs> yeah.
2: Hey, why not milk it for all it's worth? I suppose.
0: Uh, that, I mean, get a super hey, long time out if the cart has to come out. Okay. Joe
2: Barry needs as much time as he possibly can to come up with a competent defensive uh, plan. So, I shit, bring out the cart on every play.
1: I don't know. That that might be too much time. Um, I like Isaiah McDuffie still. He tries hard, solid yes. in the run game, not very good in the pass game. Um, I don't know. <sighs> And then Devondre Campbell, I think he's just lost a step. I think it's just enough uh, where it's like he's had too many injuries. I think his body's just kind of wore out. He had that one play that made me go, whoa. Maybe he is like it reminded me of what he's capable of because he smacked a running back, I think it was. I was like, holy shit, that was quite the Mm -hmm. hit. But then later in the game, he allowed that one pass, which was fucking embarrassing. It should have been a pick, but it was somehow a first down pickup, and that was... That was really bad. That might have been on a third down, too,
0: if it I remember really correctly. It was really bad, and he like just overran it, and then he got knocked down by whoever the corner
1: was that was over there or the safety. Or, I don't mm-hmm. know it was bad. And then could have been forgotten, but shout out to Eric Wilson coming in. I don't know how many snaps he had, but mm. that fourth down stop, at least being in That's the right, right spot and not giving yeah. up on the play, that was perfect, because I was like, there's no way we're stopping him here in this fourth one. I was like, holy shit, who was Eric Wilson? Okay, okay. It's funny, work. in
0: the linebacker room, we have guys that don't see the field, Isaiah McDuffie is seeing the field a lot more, but I'm going to include him in this. Like, guys that aren't seeing the field as much, but are, like, making the most of all of their touches on the field. Like, every time yeah. they're on the field, they're, like, make, Like Eric Wilson. It's like all of a sudden he's just, like, puts a smack on a guy on fourth down, right? Or, like, Isaiah McDuffie filling the alley coming in, you know, right. and just taking Saquon out. It's like, oh, it's, it's fun to see the linebacker room being productive in the depth category.
1: I think that's also partly just. Fans being fans and me being dumb because it's, you know, Patrick Taylor in small samples, you know, Malik Heath in small samples, you know, Sean Ryan But that's Ryan what you need from samples. your depth. You I need guess,
0: but, production
1: out of your depth, right? Yes. Like that's what makes a good team. Yes. Okay. You're 100% right. I guess I'm saying sometimes it's one of those things where we get hyped up on guys getting a ton of snaps. And then when they do, you're like, oh, you know, kind of like Sean Ryan against the Chiefs, or it's like, oh, huh? yeah. Oh, yeah. He's oh, a good Chris example. Jones.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe not.
1: Uh, moving on to the secondary. Again, speaking of done, I am. I think I'm done with Darnell. You know, I know Matt loves his leadership and all that shit, but and I've talked about it earlier this year before he got hurt and was on IR. Like the run pressure stat you could almost create for him. How he like he'll run really fast and make someone move, but he won't get the tackle, and maybe someone else gets the tackle. But fuck, when he came in like that heat-seeking missile and absolutely missed Devito, that was pretty fucking bad. And and Valentine too took himself out of the play. I'm sure Christian Watson's father still thinks that was the right thing, and maybe maybe he's right. But it's like I understand I understand the guy's gonna block you, but you can be disruptive somehow instead yeah. of like moving away from the running Run back. Run around him, and then a couple. I think the next series or something, Savage does come in, make the flying hit on Devito. It doesn't doesn't really lay the wood on him so much, but hits him hard enough that Savage injured himself and had to come out. Yeah. Of that. And I'm just like. I'm sure you're a good guy. But he was back in the game at the end, wasn't he? Yes, I believe he did. He was
0: back back in time to get juked out of his shoes uh, (laughs) with a couple minutes left to set up the field goal.
1: Yeah, and yeah. speaking of that, Keyshawn Nixon, he goes from last week having probably the best game of his career to probably the worst. I mean, he allowed the one big pickup towards the end there, and then also his hit on DeVito, again, back to the refs. Pretty clear-cut. Roughing or whatever, unnecessary roughness, when DeVito was sliding and he hit but him. But
0: what was so weird is the rules analyst that they have on NBC was like, no, it was like incidental contact and he was trying oh, really? to let up. Yeah. I was like, I didn't remember that. I thought that that was the complete opposite and he should have been flagged. And like, if that was Mahomes or if it was Herbert yes. or like something yeah. like that, like that flag's coming out fast
2: but the only thing I could figure on that is it looked like DeVito started his slide almost at the same time or later than when Nixon started to crouch and take the tackling position, but it still looked like he made contact with his face mask to the helmet. It was kind of of a glancing, but I still think they throw the flag
0: nine times out of 10 there. I just, that's my thought. thought. And I wonder that made me think a little bit too. Like, do they so much as have, like, rules where it's, like, you have to start sliding, like, so far before the defender is, like, you know what I mean? So the defender can't, like, I
1: don't so, know. Something like that might pop up because now the new thing, and I, I think it might have more so been college, but, like, yeah, the fake the, the fake, fake slide. one and then he keep going. Like, that's going to that be... That kid did
0: it last year and he ran for, like, 85 yards. <laughs> yeah.
2: I don't know. Yeah. It- well, that's, that's what makes it even more frustrating with the play last week against Mahomes on the sideline where it's like he's he uh, He's on the sideline, he's inbounds, we can hit him. If we don't, he's just going to shimmy down the sideline for another eight yep. yards.
1: I yep. think that's the thing too, because that was Keyshawn as well. No, that was Jonathan Owens actually, wasn't? Yes. Or was it Ke- was it Keyshawn or Owens? It was Owens. It was Owens. Okay, Owens. then never mind. I was yeah. going to say because it's like you live by it, you die with it. With uh, with Keyshawn Nixon, but no, that isn't the case. Uh, Carrington Valentine. He didn't celebrate after giving up the go ahead touchdown late in the third. I don't know why he didn't celebrate after that. But I got to say the best play, <laughs> the best play of his career so far might be one. It's so weird, that Barkley fumble, how he goes down and yes. Valentine like, jumps out of the way and doesn't yes. touch him, which more often than not might be a play where the the guy would get up and start running again, but he fumbles, and on top of that, Valentine's smart enough to pick up the ball and just go, I'm watching, I'm like, eh no way, and then he watch the replay, and you're like, oh, fuck. Yes. <laughs> and then it got into the rules thing again, where I think Darnell Savage, of course, didn't land a tackle and barkley kept going and he like, like clipped him but he regained the- his balance <laughs> yeah. and so
2: they're like oh now he's a run like now he's a free runner again I was like,
1: please he don't def- fuck us on that yeah
2: i thought for sure that it, that he'd be ruled down because somebody's shoelace like just grazed his helmet yes. as they like jumped over him yeah. or something and sure enough i mean every replay that they had it was like yeah he definitely was not touched so I mean, you're right. Good uh, good awareness by Valentine to pick and it up. Still and a, a, lo- We
0: got that, and we
2: still lost the game. A pretty good <laughs> mm-hmm. return, too, from Valentine.
0: It yeah. was, actually.
1: It was a really strange. good return. That's one of the things, too. You know, we get pissed off about losing the game, but it's like, that Barkley play. I mean, that was a gift from God. That was God so fluid. Beyond it was. a gift. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we want to go into depth in this, but... Safety versus corner. What do you think is more important for this defense right now? Figuring out or getting some stability at safety or Jair Alexander coming back?
0: Oh, that's tough. I want to say, I want to say, like, figuring out the Jair situation is probably more important at this
2: point. Yeah, Uh,
1: I guess long term, too.
2: I would agree because I think we've seen just about all of the safeties in the room play extended time at one point in the season or another. And they've all had flashes, but none of them are consistent where you go, yeah, that guy's, that guy's got a future as a starter in
1: green Bay. Yeah. I didn't look at the snap counts either, but I'm like, I, I would like right now, and I'm sure they'll both have like bad games this week or have bad plays, but it's like, I would like Rudy Ford and uh, Anthony Johnson Jr. to be the starting safeties, which is probably the least likely group that we would put out there. But I just feel like again the ceiling's higher. I think Rudy's been consistent enough. You know, I feel like he's made the least amount of shitty plays. And Anthony Johnson Jr. I I don't know. I just I the potential is still there, and he keeps getting better and better. There, the uh, Ryan Downard was talking to the safeties coach how like how much anthony johnson jr is asking him questions and how every week he's seeing him learn the position and getting better so that's you know exciting to hear especially a young talented i I think it was a rass all-star too who this is only his second year playing safety you know he was a corner um before that for iowa state so uh special teams fucking a we didn't even talk about special teams so fucking bad weird day all around for special teams the terrible blindside block called on anthony johnson jr speak of the devil Wheelan didn't have a good night and those shanks were kind of funny he had the one that it was so bad that rudy ran or the the punt returner ran into rudy ford you know i i want to get pissed about it but it's like you have no idea where that ball he is. didn't
0: he didn't yeah. see the guy either like he was looking at the back of the head of the the whoever's protecting outside against the gunner mm-hmm. and then the gunner like ducks out of the way and he just runs into it. he hip check he protects himself and
1: hip checks him and you know what the what the name of the punt returner is oh Gun- it was gunner his first name is gunner it's oh gunner. his it's last gunner. name was like all is all yeah looking yeah, at him with head. that long hair he is not an nfl player he was one of the more shocking uh humans to look at on a football field like just a little scrawny white guy with long blonde hair he was you know? quick
2: though he yeah. he got cut by pittsburgh this year because he was awful and fumbled so much <laughs> oh
1: yeah I, did, I didn't realize that uh and then another wheel and shank was a good thing i believe yeah. unless it was the giants pun- i forgot which it was i think it was our punt but it hit the giants guy yeah and that's what it was yeah and it was it was our ball so that was that was great uh anders missing a field goal
2: what even was that like that was it wasn't even close and it was only like laces a now
1: yard attempt and laces mason, were in mason crosby got cut by uh ah. the rams on the practice squad and again that's too bad uh, daniel wheeling you no know, not good punts great holder what he had the one where he just you watch the replay and he just spun the ball and got it down i'm like okay for not having a lot of experience doing that he's doing good and then Obviously, the big one, Keyshawn Nixon and the punt return. I mean, again, you live by Keyshawn. He died by him. You know, his first punt return, he caught over his When he head. had
0: it, too, he Ugh. dropped it. He picked it up, and then he dropped it again. Just, just like, stay oh, down, dumb, dude.
1: Dumb. And it back, I've said it all year, I've never been a Rich Passaccia guy. Last year, he took a very shitty special teams unit and made it mediocre. And now we're mediocre to bad on special teams. I think our cover we're the units,
0: most penalized yes, team too. Like the that's... most
1: penalized team on special teams. Which when uh, Sean Meninga took over, I think the number one thing was trying to reduce penalties, and that was back in twenty nineteen. But it's like, and again, you know, hey, hey, favorite line: it all goes back to Mark Murphy. The special teams on this team over the last five years would be I. It had unless there actually is like a curse at Lambo for special teams units but we would be much better with Darren Rizzi if he just got hired on in 2019 rather than ha- having to make... Where is he at Rich now? Is... He's still with the Saints since. The Saints? Okay. Yeah. Sent, and they have one of the better units in the NFL since uh, we didn't want to pay him what he was worth. And now we had to pay Rich Masaccia and make him the highest-paid special teams coordinator in the league, and we're still just dog shit. But hey, don't worry. He's really great impressors, and the... Green Bay media isn't gonna really push him for anything because he's a great guy to talk to, and he's from New York. And Matt Schneidman likes talking about the Yankees with him and shit. So uh, I oh, don't know. There you go. I don't know how many guys want to talk about getting fired. You have any? You guys have anything else on special teams defense? No. Ready for take no. news? Right. Yeah. Cool. Take news. Football time. Take news. All right, take news for the week. Lots of clips this week. We're going to talk about Jair Alexander. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of contract stuff and Goody and how he's handled Premier players, but Jair Alexander, obviously kind of a touchy subject. A lot of people talking about it. You know, a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but I still think it's interesting. And since I have an incredibly big uh, platform here, I just want to educate people and get everyone on the same page for how what has gone on over the past five weeks with Jair's injury. So, starting things off, we remember the last time we played was against the Rams, and I pointed it out then how I thought it was telling that Jair got a game ball. He had a decent game, he had a pick, which I think he kind of hurt his shoulder on that pick, but he was given a game ball after the game, and I, I said it at the time, I think it's because He played through an injury and Matt was very happy that he played through an injury and it was a little bit of messaging there. Well, obviously Jair hasn't played since that game. He had the back and I think, I think he did have the shoulder injury going into it. If not, obviously that the pick is what kind of re-injured it, but this is Matt talking about Jair's injury after he didn't practice. Now, Again, just think that it's been five weeks now since he's played. This was the first time Matt talked about Jair's injury. Is there some concern for, for Jair? I'd say so.
2: Two days in a row, not practicing. Long term, Matt, or just, right. just kind of week to
1: week? Yeah. I don't know. You Told
0: us on Sunday he's back. He's feeling the
1: best, and still something happened. Yeah, I mean, can't practice. So again, and this was. It's now five weeks he's been out. If the Packers knew what was going on, or there was some clear communication going on here, they would have put him on IR. It's four. It's you know four weeks you're out, and then he come, can come back. So he's like, oh, you know, we don't know if it's serious or not. Yada yada. Not not a whole lot going on there. So then, this is a clip from Wildy. I think he was on one of the ESPN Milwaukee shows. What, the one I hate, Kyle Bruston Nortman. That that. Ben Bros is such a fucking douchebag. Um But this is a clip of Wieldy talking about when he talked to Jair at the end of that first week when he didn't practice and he talked to Jair, and obviously the big thing, much like the David Bakhtari thing, and why people are talking about it, is the way Matt's handling this in the media. Cause he just he gets all clammy. He doesn't want to talk about it, and he's you could tell there's some shit going on. Well, this is what Jair told Wilde, or Wilde talk about his conversation with Jair. talked to him for a minute and 12 seconds today. Um, which wow. is more than anybody else did. I actually got him, and, and uh, uh, I, I did say to him, um, do you sense
0: that your head coach is getting frustrated with your injuries? Because his answers have sounded frustrated to me.
1: Uh, and his response was,
2: um, well, I don't know. I ain't talked to him. We don't talk about none of that stuff. Wonderful, so, huh?
1: So that's not very good for multiple reasons. He's not talking to the coach. Also, you know, it's the media kind of stirring some stuff up. But, you know, fans have questions. I have questions. I kind of want to know what's going on, too. So I don't think that's a terrible thing. So that was November 16th. This is the next day, Rob Damofsky talking to Wilde and Tausch about Jair Alexander and his injury and what what Jair's people had to say about it. I'm sure that there are coaches, maybe Matt LaFleur is one of them, who thinks that you know, if the X-ray doesn't show anything, and the MRI doesn't show anything, and the CT scan doesn't show anything, then that guy better be out there. Um, and, and you know, I don't know if that's exactly what he feels about Jair, but you sort of get the sense that um, he thinks that he should be playing through whatever he's dealing with right now. Now, I'm talking to somebody on Jair's
2: side, uh, going in the last game. He had no, he did not have enough range of motion in his shoulder
1: to be able to play the position so and I, I had mentioned this on the podcast a couple weeks ago when that popped up how people with it you know around Jair was saying he probably shouldn't have played that game and his shoulder injury is what's holding him back and he's not 100 percent and now it's back to that type of thing where it's like he's not playing if he's not feeling like he's 100 percent so this fast forward now to last week Last Friday, Jair talked to the media, and it was weird. I'm sure a lot of people saw this on Twitter, where first he started by saying, I'm just going to lie to you guys, and then he had his sunglasses on and multiple title belts. But one of the things, the biggest thing that caught my ear was when he said this. Jair, do you feel any... I know it's you know you can't control getting injured when you die for an interception, but you're the highest-paid cornerback in NFL history. You make twenty-one million dollars a year. Do you feel pressure to be on the field? Uh, I mean, there's always pressure. There's always pressure, you know. But uh, you know, I think uh, you know, I just I'm the type of person I always want to put my best foot forward, you know. So I feel like if I can't put my best foot forward, then it's just tough to be even be out there. You know? Do you feel the coaching staff and everyone in this building has been understanding uh, of why you've missed so much time this year? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, one, he says, you know, the big thing is I can't, you know, I'm the type of person who wants to put their best foot forward, and if I can't, it's tough to even be out there. And then he also kind of is like, yeah, yeah, you know, the medical staff and people understand what I'm going through. Okay, okay, so then... <laughs> I'm sorry just keep going so then this is uh this is Matt the next on Saturday in his availability when asked I th- I think this is Mike Clemens asking him and sometimes I th- think like Clemens just doesn't realize like what's going on and things that you know that what seems to be happening because he straight out straight up like asks Matt about how he talks to Jair and what's going on when as we heard from Will D, him and Matt don't really talk, and they don't really talk about the injury stuff. So knowing that, I thought this question and answer from last Friday or last Saturday was interesting. He likes to have fun with us, you know,
0: sunglasses and props and things like that. But it's got to have been a frustrating year. How was he when you talked to him about how this last couple of
2: months is going? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all frustrated about it, to be honest with you.
1: So, again, a a lot of this is Matt because the way there's a much easier way to go about this is like, oh, yeah, he's working through an injury, blah, 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 all that. But he's asked about how it is talking to Jair. And Matt doesn't say anything about talking to him. He says, yeah, it's difficult for anyone. Then, so Jair was deemed questionable at the last injury report of the week. He does his little thing at the press or at his media availability, whatever. I think that's fine. But then he's declared out. On, on Sunday or Saturday whatever day it was which is telling that had not happened previously and it's not like he's you know maybe he did I don't know rolled out of bed and fucked his shoulder up you know that didn't happen which again Schneidman I like the way Schneidman keeps digging into it because then today the last question in the presser Schneidman asked this Matt, I understand it's not uncommon for guys not to travel but Jair had the past couple
2: away games why didn't he this weekend
1: uh, just, we felt like that was best
2: for him in terms of trying to get his shoulder back and, you know, part of the recovery process.
1: So finally, Matt has a good answer, but I think it's bullshit. You know, I don't know what's going on with Jair. And I've seen people on Twitter get all pissed off about people talking about playing through injuries. Someone tweeted like a gif of Brett Favre and they're like, I wish he was more like this guy. And it's like, I do too. And then people were getting pissed and they're like, oh, yeah, Vicodin and all that. And I'm like, Well, the last 15, whatever, I don't know how many, 12 years of Favre's career, 10 years of Favre's career, he was sober and didn't do that stuff. And obviously, the whole painkiller thing isn't great. But again, it's just, I want there to be nuance in the discussion, which isn't allowed on Twitter and shit. It sure seems like Jair is absolutely hurt, absolutely hurt, but he isn't 100% and he doesn't want to play, you know, corners, they have that whole persona about them, and they're very confident in themselves. They don't want to play unless they're at the top of their game, at least in Jair's instance here. So I think that's part of it. Matt is pissed that his guy who he thinks could probably play isn't playing. Jair obviously isn't playing, and that's where we're at. at. I know there's a lot there, but thoughts? Should Nuance be involved, or should we just sit back and let Jair, you know, figure it out?
0: I think in general, like over the years, my thing has just been at the end of the season, it will all come out. And sometimes there is really good light that's shed on the situation. So it's hard to make a definitive answer right now. I would say my ears tell me that maybe there's obviously some drama going on. That's, I think that's obvious. But also, like, I personally feel like. Maybe the medical staff and everybody is saying like, "Hey, you're good to go," but he's not wanting to play, and it's his decision. That's kind of what I'm hearing.
1: There was an older quote to sorry Billy, where they they asked about the injury too because Lafleur fucking hates it, and Lafleur's like, "Well, it's you know, it's, you got to get approval from the medical staff and the player," which was interesting to hear.
2: I was just going to say to answer your first question: Should there be nuance? Absolutely. There needs to be nuance. And I mean, I get that fans can sit there and, and point at Jair and say, boy, I wish he was tougher. I wish he was more like Favre. But it's like Brett Favre holds the NFL record for consecutive games started. No one else is ever going to be like Brett Favre. Could he play through you know some pain? Absolutely. But to say, oh, I wish he was like Brett Favre, that's disingenuous. Yeah. However, I remember sitting on this podcast a few weeks ago. Um, I think before the Lions game, saying I don't think he plays on Thanksgiving short week, but you know we get kind of the mini buy after the the game on Thanksgiving. I would expect him back for Kansas City. You know, big game at home, blah blah blah. And now for him to not play in that game and then not even travel to New York. Yeah, that's odd. It's a little weird, and maybe we just read the the situation wrong at the time. I don't know, but it's also frustrating to me that you know for the last however many weeks, whenever Lafleur's been asked about him, he's just been like a pissy little baby about it. Yes, just, yes. I mean, just give an answer. Like you, you don't need to sit there and pout. Like, and I don't even care if you're honest at this point. Just say uh, he had a setback. Yeah, you know what? Whatever. We're not going to know any different. Oh, OK. Makes sense. It gets the media off of your back and it gets the media off of Jair's back a little bit.
1: And like all you have to do from the get go is say, yeah, Jair's got a shoulder injury. We're not sure how serious it's going to be. And like you can just say shit like that. You don't have to get all moody and all this. I, I or I, that maybe it, it's where a shoulder.
2: It's going to be a couple of weeks. But that the, may be where
0: Lafleur is lacking in, like, coach savvy. He His media savvy yes. is not great.
1: Yes. And that's what Mike McCarthy was so good at is yes. the be boring by design. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what Joe Barry is very good at. Sometimes he does say a very true s- stupid things. But, oh, I dropped my phone. Uh, but, again, it, what it goes back to, and the troublesome thing, you know, we talked about not traveling with the team when he had previously been doing that. But again, the fact that he isn't on he wasn't put on IR is very telling that the team doesn't even know exactly what's going on with his injury. And I'm gonna put this out so this this is me being a little asshole here, I guess, to maybe frame things poorly. But if you want to talk about the whole not playing thing with Jair Alexander, one, I guess we have some time too. One, he's still the highest paid cornerback in the NFL, which. I, I don't know how to feel about that. Um, Diggs for the Cowboys last off season, he got paid and he didn't come close to sniffing Jair's average per year. Anyways, the reason why I bring up his contract is it and we talked about it during training camp. Jair skipped the off season workouts, which if he would have showed up for a couple of those workouts, he makes seven hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money. Uh, he just burnt that up. He's like, I don't I don't care. I, I don't want to go to workouts. For every game he misses, you know, the Packers have in game bonuses. He's only losing $38,000. So I don't think money is the thing. Wieldy has said recently that he wonders if the amount of guaranteed money he got on his deal, he's a little irked by. I don't think that's the case. That seems like, I don't know, nickel and diming some shit. But I don't know. It's something to think about. I don't think that's what it is. I just, I do think Jair is banged up, he doesn't want to play through the injury, you know, the range of motion thing that absolutely could be going on. But once again, it's like that middle ground. You know, Elton Jenkins, for example, we thought he was gonna be out like a month with this MCL. Yeah. I think he missed one to two games, but when he came back, he wasn't playing well, but he pushed through it, which a lot of guys don't do nowadays. Now it wasn't positive. And you could even go back to someone we all love talking about, Kevin King, who always had the injury thing. And then our lasting memory of him is the NFC championship game when he was like questionable and doubtful going into it. He gets through and plays, plays like shit you know at the end of the second half. Yep. Scotty Miller touched on. So once again, it's it's a tough line to to steer yourself down, but I don't know we'll we'll wait and see. Hopefully Jair plays this week and we can put all this shit behind us, but who knows at this point?
2: At the same time, if Jair Alexander is the number one paid corner in the league, and whether he deserves to be or not is another discussion, but I think we can agree that when healthy, he's one of the top five to ten corners, right? Yes. So yep. if his range of motion isn't 100%, but isn't Jair Alexander at 80% still better than Corey Ballantyne?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: Exactly. And that's, once again, you know, the last couple of weeks it was like, ah, we didn't need Jair. And now this week it was like, eh, we probably could have used Jair out there. But with that, is Kyle an idiot? I'm not an idiot. Okay. You sure? Yes. All right. Is Kyle an idiot for the week? Once again, you guys, you did fine last week. Were you one and two or two and one? Two and one.
2: Okay. Every it's week, it seems like we're two pretty and one. much to it all. That's
1: what I assume. This this week is a difficult batch of questions, I think. I wouldn't Ooh. be shocked if you don't get any of them, but I think you will. Oh. Certain things off. What legendary backup quarterback came into the game when the Packers played the Giants in 2007? These were the Came, last- into, the
2: game- came into the game for Green Bay? Sorry, for the Giants. For the Giants. Oh. The last time we played the Giants in 2007.
1: This was 2007 when it happened. He had five attempts. They were the last five attempts of his NFL career. Was he a big boy? Lorenzen? I'm, I'm not allowed to get but Lorenzen. Yes, it's got to be. <laughs> it was Jared Lorenzen. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, hefty Lefty, the Pillsbury throw boy. You feel <laughs> kind of bad because he did have weight issues, but I did some Googling along with this. And the previous season in the playoffs – they had him come in just for, like, a quarterback sneak against the Eagles, and he got it just because he was he was a big boy. Kentucky, I think he went to, right? Yep. Yeah, that sounds Keyboard right. Keyboard
2: number 22 in college, which is fantastic <laughs> for a quarterback.
1: <laughs> I remember there was that one clip, too. I'm pretty sure it was him, but some, like, you know, minor league football team when he was... A big, big boy, and he was like run around the pocket and just let it sling. That there was a couple very funny clips of him playing, but yes, an absolute legend, R.A.P. in peace. Uh, the hefty lefty Jared Lorenzen moving on. Oh, did you guys see? Uh, fucking what? Speaking of Lorenzen, uh Jared Valdear came out of retirement to sign on the Colts practice. Uh, I today. did see that, yeah, yes. the, the guy who yeah. we had uh, hang out in 2019, 2020, and then and he came didn't back to he COVID. Gets- we signed him to our practice squad for the playoffs, and in travel from Indy, but he to got Mumbai. he got COVID, so he never got to play again with us after. Yes, second time, the second time. yeah. And then he was like, he was a a uh, lunch lunch guy, school lunch guy. Uh, there was an NFL little series on him, how he yeah like a, he took over a really? school cafeteria and like made everything nutritious and tasty and shit. It was a pretty cool little little thing. Oh, know, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, number two. Very good. 1-0. So, at least you're not going over. I think these ones are tougher. Yeah, we'll see. How many interceptions did Baker Mayfield throw in his... We'll just do when he was with the Browns. That Browns game on Christmas Day at Lambeau Field in 2021. How many picks did he throw that game?
2: It was like four. It was like four. It was a lot. I was going to say three or four. I remember some of them were kind of questionable. uh contact defensively. i i say let's go with four todd i'd say four because three is like three is like
0: possible but i remember it being like a number that i was like oh my god that's a lot yes let's say four
1: yes it was four he had let's go including the game sealing one at the end it was so bad if nick chubb i looked it up he was he was gashing us like if the browns just ran the ball in that game yes they would have absolutely pummeled us
2: Boy, that that sounds familiar this year.
1: Oh God, yeah, it's always the case. And then he had one uh, INT with the Rams last year too. It's kind of weird. Not often that's happened. We were playing Baker Mayfield three years in a row, and he's starting for three different teams. So that's odd. Very very interesting. Uh, okay, here we go. So two and zero. Oh. Last one. <sighs> see now maybe I now see I forgot about this. What surprising player had a rushing touchdown against the Bucks in their 2011 matchup? BJ Raji. Yes, it was the one Let's rushing go. touchdown of BJ Raji's career against uh, against the Bucks. He obviously previously in those playoffs the previous year had the the pick six. Probably the most. Still, my favorite part about that play is Raji like against the Bears is getting the ball across barely with it getting hit out and he like looks around barely cares and then he just does his stupid little hula dance or whatever i i love that that i mean top 10 play in packers history but he did have the the fridge uh rushing touchdown as well yes i knew i knew he had one i just didn't remember who it was against i could not for the life of me remember who it was against so uh billy oh so three and zero on the tuck of
0: it, toughest slate of questions. I the, mean, the last two weeks have been pretty tough. Legends,
1: I would think. Uh, Billy, do you have a stump spinning for me?
2: I do, and actually from the exact same game as the uh, oh, final I I, uh, is Kyle an idiot? Question. Okay. In addition to BJ Raji, which other surprising Packer player had a carry in that game?
1: Oh, a carry in that game. Correct. God, now I can't remember the the Giants game too with Jared L- Lorenzen. That was the game that Brett Favre became the most winning quarterback in NFL history. By the way, a little fun fact. Uh, I saw. I'm pretty sure Tom Crabtree had a touchdown. Um, he in, did in the, in the game. Okay, had a carry. God, I don't think we were doing sweeps or shit back then. Uh,
2: yeah, and yeah. The you're you're thinking the wrong side
1: of the ball. Oh, okay. Well, kind of. So and then it's not BJ Raji. Correct. It's, it's not okay. BJ Raji. Oh It wasn't Tremon, was it? I'm gonna guess Tremon. It was Tim Mastey. Oh, what? Oh, if we had a we had a fake run. <laughs>
2: I don't know if it was a fake punt or if it was a a bobbled punt or what. But yeah, Tim Maste, one carry six yards.
1: God, he did. God. Now I wish I could imagine it. I can't even visualize it in my head. I feel like it was a fake. Did he convert? I, did I I feel. Oh, uh, I don't know. I I'll guess, look it up. Yeah. So what
2: year was that? I've got a. I've got it. <laughs> the uh, this is great radio. The play by play up. Okay. Move on. We'll uh we'll okay. follow up.
1: <laughs> so we are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. I was a little uh I was a little worried. I thought uh we were gonna get blacked out here in Minnesota watching the game oh. I saw the Vikings play at noon. I didn't even look. But the Vikings play noon on Saturday, so we're good. We're good on Sunday, so we will be able to watch the game from home. Uh noon kickoff, CBS. Andrew Alton. Tiki Barber and Matt Ryan are on the call. There was like three, four names listed by Matt Schneidman, so I don't know what CBS hmm. does with that coverage. Packers are a three-and-a-half point favorite. The over-under is 41-and-a-half. Bucks are 6-7 and seven like us after beating the Falcons 29-25 to 25 in Atlanta last week. Team stats, offense, I mean, they're not very good. 22nd in points per game at 28.2, 23rd in yards per game at 304, 31st in yards per carry 3.5, and 22nd in yards per pass at 6.3. Uh, Billy, did you get the stat on Mass Day?
2: It appears, that, it appears that it was a fake punt. He converted a fourth and one, fumbled, Sweet. and then recovered his own fumble.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Even better. That sounds like a punter. Uh, the Bucks also have the seventh most turnovers in the league. With Baker Mayfield's offense, they also give up the eighth least sacks. With uh, giving sacks just on six percent of their dropbacks, Baker's Baker twenty touchdowns, ten picks, a pass rating of eighty-nine on the season. Mike Evans is also still Mike Evans. He just the season and last week or the week before he went over a thousand yards, which is ten consecutive seasons of over a thousand yards. That is a new record pretty pretty cool uh not even chris-
2: jerry rice did that
1: right isn't that weird it's kind of surprising and that's why I'm i still kidding. remember that draft because i was like when i was really really into fantasy football and i was like eh he's a big guy i'm never big on like possession receivers and he's been one of the most consistent receivers in nfl history obviously uh chris godwin still on their team um he's their uh, that What I just wrote is not correct. Oh, it's the wrong thing. But he's still having a solid season. Um, Who is their running back? I forgot to put it down. Oh, Rashad White. Rashad White. Yeah, yeah. solid year coming off a 100-yard game as well against the Falcons. Cade Otten is their tight end. He's not very good, but I went against him in fantasy last week and lost in the playoffs, and he had a touchdown, so I was pissed about that. Their defense, I don't know, middling? 13th in points per game, 20.8, 27th in yards per game at 362.8. Ninth in yards per rush, allowing 3.9. They're 29th in yards per pass, 7.2. They get one and a half takeaways a game, which is 13th best in the league. They also are right in the middle, 17th in sacks per play. Antonio Winfield Jr. is obviously a beast. We uh, you know, remember his father playing for the Vikings, and fuck, are we old. Vitave is still there and alive. Shaq Barrett's pretty good. Uh, Levante David whatever, you know, still some studs there, but their defense isn't nearly as scary as it was when Tom Brady was their quarterback. So, I don't know, pretty big, pretty big game. Uh, I think I said it after we beat, um, who was it, the Lions, that I think the season's going to kind of come down to this Bucks game. I didn't anticipate all the teams in the NFC competing for a playoff spot. The Bears right now, I'm sure you guys have seen this too, they could have the fifth pick overall and I think it might be the same for us they could have the fifth overall pick in the draft or they could make the playoffs depending on how the season finishes out here so a lot of mediocrity in the NFC right now with all these six and seven teams but thoughts going into this game of fellas what do you have to talk about?
0: battle the bays it's always tough right it's it's always
1: tough yeah Warren Sapp he was um
0: I don't know obviously it's a Baker Mayfield team Um, doesn't super scare me, but he's got good people around him on that offense. That's a little bit scary when he's on, he's good. So he's such a hot and cold player. It could go either way for me on that offense. And the defense does seem pretty, I mean, they're middle of the road, but they seem solid in the red zone. I don't watch many Bucks games a little bit. I've seen they're okay, right? Their defense is okay. Better than the Giants. And you saw how when we didn't play very well against the Giants. That was ugly. So, it's kind of a tough one for me. It's like kind of which offense shows up a little bit. Their offense isn't very good this year, but I'm just I'm always a little bit scared of Baker. There's some weapons around him. If he doesn't throw four picks, you know, maybe he's halfway decent, and that's a tough outing. So the Joe Barry defense might make him look
2: pretty good. He can. That's what I was going to say, Todd. I I think that this is the best wide receiving core that we've faced this year just even even the top two i mean mike evans and and chris godwin Um, it might be yeah so baker seems like the kind of quarterback that he either runs hot or he runs cold like there is no middle ground he either throws for four touchdowns or he throws for four interceptions like he did a few years ago so i think it's really going to come down to the defense and if the defense plays like it did against the Giants, I mean, it seemed like every Giants receiver was running wide open, and Tommy DeVito had all day to find him. So if we do that against Baker Mayfield, who I would argue is still a better quarterback than Tommy DeVito, and against a better receiving core, we could be in for a long game. I'm hoping that Joe Barry has learned some lessons from the game against New York and comes up with a better plan rather than to rush four and drop seven on every other, well, every single pass play, it seemed.
1: <laughs> and looking ahead, too, to the weather, right now a high of 40, a low of 28 on Sunday. So that's not really Green that, Bay weather. No. That's
2: not one of those where you go, ooh, team from, from Florida coming up to Lambeau, yeah. edge Packers.
1: Yeah, no. I was going to say he's he's a smaller guy, too, so maybe he's got smaller hands, a little tougher to grip that ball in the cold. Ooh. but.
0: Brian Bromhans, some would say. Mm,
1: Yeah. Billy, yeah. You you got something to say. Come on. He
2: he played in Cleveland. I think he'll be fine. That's
1: what I was wondering, too, or what I was thinking, too. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just... If we win, I think we're going to make the playoffs. If we lose, I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. I think that's what it comes down to. Really hot take there. But three and a half points, two from Vegas. I don't know. I could see us stacking... Shit, says I guess, but it's. I don't feel good about it, but maybe we'll just come out hot. I don't at Lambeau. I feel like we've played, you know, the the game uh, against the Chiefs was pretty nice at Lambeau. We've been better of late there. I have us eking this one out, twenty one to twenty three. Maybe last second, Anders field goal. You know, get gets his shit right or straight. I I should look at what how he's kicking compared to everyone else in the league this year but
2: not very good I think he's like a shade below
1: 80 percent that's that sounds better than I would have guessed it was at but yeah uh yeah 21 to 23 I don't feel super confident but we'll see it it's nice how even how bad the game was on Monday compared to what it was previously it's like we still were in the 20s in points you know so hopefully we can at least keep doing that in this Bucks offense and our defense can actually wake up again. Todd, what is your score prediction? I
0: think we also eke it out. I'm kind of back and forth, but I guess I went with 20 to 17 Packers. I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's not a high scoring game. I think we eke it out, but it's going to maybe be pretty ugly.
2: Uh, I've got a couple of things. First, Anders Ooh. Carlson, 80% on the year, tied for 24th in the league.
1: Mm, I mean, that seems about right, I guess.
2: Uh, second, I said going into the Giants game, I thought we would win out. So <laughs> I need to stick with that prediction. However, I also have a very poor track record this year when I pick Green Bay.
1: I know. That's what we said True. last week when you when you picked us to win after you kept picking us to lose.
2: However... I'm a man of my word. I still think we're going to win out. We're just going to ignore last week. I'm going to say 27-23
1: Packers. Okay. We'll see if uh, if you truly are jinxing us. Uh, Bold predictions. I know I had this earlier this year, but especially going up against Baker, I think we got a shot. I have two Allentine brother interceptions combined. Uh, Carrington Valentine and Corey Valentine. I think one will have a pick and then another will have a pick against Baker at Lambeau Field. Todd?
0: Okay, you took the interceptions. I'm going to go to the other side of the ball and I'm going to say offense. I'm going to say Jordan Love bounces back from the, the horrible completion percentage in the first half above 75% completion percentage for the game this week. It's a bounce back accuracy game. For Jordan Love,
1: okay, I I guess I guess that's probably bold enough. I think that's like he's never
0: had he's never had a seventy five percent
1: completion percentage. What's the highest he has on the season? I'll look. Yeah, see, let's see how bold. Billy, you go. Yeah,
2: Todd, I'm with you. I think Jordan Love bounces back. I don't think that Tampa Bay secondary is. Very good. They don't really scare me the way that they did mm-hmm. back uh, when we played in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say Jordan Love has 325 or more passing yards on Ooh, Sunday.
1: Ooh, not not just 300, but 325. Incredible. Well, his bold.
2: his his career high is 322. So oh. I wanted i I want to say he's going to get a career high for sure.
1: Okay, we'll go with that then. Todd, have you figured out?
2: Career high for Jordan
0: Love, 76.9. So I'm going to say okay. 77%. <laughs> when when okay. was that 76.9? Rams.
1: Oh, yeah. Rams game. Yeah, I suppose that makes he sense. He
0: only threw 26 passes. I I give 20 you, for 26. I'll, I'll give
1: you
2: 75.
1: Executive decision. I won't. No, I won't. No, nope. <laughs> executive decision. Too late. You're nothing. You're you're nothing here. I'll, I will mute you on the Zoom. Uh <laughs> But yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll forget about it next week, like we always do. With it what? And, and
0: and I has always. a bold prediction hit
2: yet? It hasn't. So I mean, mm. no. Was I close?
0: <sighs> no, that's narcissism.
2: No. I I was close against Kansas City. I think Spencer, you were you had the score against Kansas City, correct? Just flipped between yeah, the teams. Flipped. God, yeah, flipped. I had
1: one bold prediction that was close. I think I think it was the Tucker Craft. That's what it was. The Tucker Craft touchdown. Yeah, he went out of bounds against right. the Chargers. That's what it was. Um, but with that. Wow, what a great episode. If you want, leave a five-star review on uh, fucking Apple, on Spotify again. You know, I said a couple of weeks ago it was funny because people did leave little comments. You can interact at the end of the episode and leave a comment and say, wow, this was good, or wow, this was this was not super good, but you know, keep it positive. I assume that helps with the algorithm. Say yeah.
0: something really mean.
1: No, don't do that. Don't. don't That'll be. Do that.
0: We'll read it. It'll be funny.
1: I will read it, and then if it's mean, I won't tell anyone else about it because I don't want. I don't want to put <laughs> bad into the world. But yeah, leave a. Well, but me. like funny means. If it's going to
0: be mean, it has to be funny.
1: <sighs> yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah, and I kind of regret saying the thing about like uh, calling uh, Luke Musgrave a puss last week. I'm like, God, sometimes I just get carried away with my stupid little bits, and I regret it. So I will take. That is one of my corrections from last week. But, yeah, on Apple, leave a review if you want. <laughs> DM us on Twitter, PNP Pod, or email us at PMPPodcast with a screenshot of your review, and we will send you a koozie for the holiday season. Ooh, creeping up. Get your shopping done. Do you guys have anything else? No? Nope. Not even a no. Okay, Billy, you got anything, huh?
2: I have a correction.
1: Oh, Okay. thank you for the dramatic pause yes
2: uh s- sorry i thought you were going to say something uh mike evans i believe the record is for consecutive thousand yard seasons to start a career oh. because jerry rice does indeed own the nfl record i'm assuming for consecutive thousand yard seasons he had 11 but he just missed a thousand yards his
1: rookie season Damn. So like mm. Mike Evans is like, fuck. I gotta I gotta do this again next year. How I was- gotta drag
2: Baker's Baker Mayfield's yeah. <laughs> ass to another thousand yard receiving season. Damn it.
1: I, I'm gonna throw this out there too, and I, I think it's been talked about and I know I'm a bit of a Rogers apologist. Randall Cobb scored a touchdown last week and Jimmy Graham scored a touchdown last week and everyone. Yeah. Everyone's posting like what year is it? Jimmy Graham and Randall Cobb scored touchdowns. Jimmy Graham is thirty seven. Guess how old Randall Cobb is?
2: He's younger he's... he' is he is 33. he is my age he's like yes. six months younger yeah. than me he's
1: 33 which is old for the NFL but he's not nearly as ancient as it's old for
0: a wide play. receiver right like Absolutely. that's the tough thing is when speed is so much a factor for wideouts and I especially
2: guess. for him where he was a slot guy so that's where right. he made his money was you know shiftiness and, and quickness but how, same age as Adam thielen people
0: forget
1: but how old is Mike Evans who we were just talking about? Uh, good question you see that's kind of what I'm I know thirty three is old but it's not nearly as ancient as people are
0: he is well he's six five and two thirty one cool. I don't okay. see his closer. age he's, so he's-
2: thirty. 30
1: okay yeah well so he entered the young league, man he entered the league at 20 i guess that makes sense okay
2: i mean cobb was also young when he entered yes. the league
1: yes right he was like he was the first 90s baby fun, I fun fact i know i still so score, remember a touchdown that. You yeah that kickoff 108 yards and john coon helped him up along the way uh with that do you guys have anything else on top of not having anything else before still have nothing Philly, anything else no more corrections from me spencer thank you very cool with that eric koskinen please don't sue us. I didn't work with my job. Yeah, it just won't pay.
0: I worked all year. I worked all money. And then they took my money away. Yeah, well now I don't care. they ain't working like me. Damn.
2: did you see the uh there's a 30 for 30 on tonight about reggie white
1: i saw the not. ad for it the other day i think they they advertised that a few months ago yeah i'm curious to because he, was, I, a, be he cool. was a complicated dude
2: yeah
0: complicated I, fella some would say Maybe an idiot. I, I saw the ad that.
2: for it. I saw the ad for it like months ago and then my brother yeah. texted me like an hour ago, like, Hey, did you know the Reggie White documentary is on tonight? It's like, oh shit, I better record that.
1: That and I saw the SEC network is uh has one for Bart Starr. I don't know if Ooh. it's just his college day stuff, but they are like calling him Clark oh. like Clark Kent to Superman and how and uh that Curry guy was talking in it and I I don't know if he went to Bill Bama. Curry. Yeah, did he go to Bama? He's he obviously that. played for the pack I played for the Packers but I wonder how much of it is covering him in the NFL versus Alabama but it looked very
0: interesting